B-S-B-O-T, some number. Greg, I had a really embarrassing moment tonight. What do you want to know about it before we get to good cop, bad cop? Uh, on a level of one to toes, how bad are we talking about? Um, oh, toes is, <laughs> toes is like a 13, right? Good callback. Uh, I went to Taco Bell, right? Because when you feel like shit, you just go to Taco Bell. I think that's what you do. When you're not feeling well, you're like, can I make it worse? And you go to Taco Bell. But that might not be a you thing, Greg. I'm not sure because I know how you are with food. Uh, not a me thing. I'm not a big Taco Bell guy. I get it. Um, so I ordered three things in a row that weren't on the menu, and the lady laughed at me. And then I kind of sat there. That's hard to do. <laughs> and I sat there in silence. I was like, like did you did you did you order like a 20-piece chicken nugget? And then when they didn't have that, you tried to get a whopper, and then when they didn't have that, you tried to get a bacon I, I wish it was like that. I was like, Can I get a double decker taco? And then can I get a naked chicken chalupa and a Frito burrito? And the girl was like we changed our menu like in April. Uh, so try again. And I just sat there like totally <laughs> defeated. <laughs> like, what the fuck do I do now? I'm an idiot. Uh, I got a crutch trap supreme and went out with my life. Okay, let's get to good cop, bad cop because I just need to get that off my chest because I still feel very, I feel the pain. I'm sure someone out there is cringing for me and I appreciate it. Way this is going to work, this format for tonight, Greg and I are going to alternate on good cop, bad cop. Mm. Um, and we'll be going uh, through the forwards and defensemen of the New York Rangers. So one of us will be playing the good case for this player. Uh, all case. Every single part of the case. The personality, the uh, the play, everything. And then uh, the other person will play bad cop. So, Gregory, I'll start with Artemi Panarin, good cop, bad cop. I will I will take good cop as you lost the coin flip. I believe that's how that worked. Um, Artemi Panarin not only took a discount to play with the New York Rangers, but was third in the heart voting. He m- magnificently... Uh, went out and improved Ryan Strom's career and probably his career earnings. He played almost every game this season. Uh, I believe that to be true and was on a point is only is still under 30 age 29 is going to be ready. And just in his prime during the cap window, absolutely unbelievable player. And again, I, and I want to stress this took less money to come to the New York Rangers embraced New York to the fullest extent, like couldn't be more social media about New York, loves it here, wants to be here and deny the New York Rangers a chance. And they probably would have gone a little further if they had Artemi Panarin on their team. A a wonderful personality who takes very funny pictures is weird and talks about poisoning people on his Instagram is the personality of a superstar that New York's needs and, and might actually be outside of Aaron judge, the most likable superstar in New York. And you can, I know what you're going to say, Pete Alonzo exists. I totally understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck you. Is, that, is there any human being who has a negative opinion of Jacob DeGrom? Zero. That is the most upsetting thing you've ever said on this podcast. Zero. Zero. You're right. You went Pete Alonzo first? Like, you, oh my God. <laughs> Bad cop, you're an asshole. There you go. Um, are you done with your good cop? Uh, yes, I've done, I'm done with my good cop for Artemi Panarin. It's just, you could just keep, continue to say very nice things about Artemi Panarin for a very long time, it feels like. Bad cop. Artemi Panarin's going to be 30 years old before the New York Rangers are ready to compete on an actual Stanley Cup level. The Rangers signed him to a seven-year deal, and they punted the first two years of that contract. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you really think about it. And that, Outside of that, there's nothing I can say bad about Artemi Panarin. Like, what do you want me to do here? This is, this is kind <laughs> of a this – is, this is a hard one. But uh, you know what? Fair, fair being fair, the, cri- the critics to Artemi Panarin would say – the Rangers gave him $11.6 million a year for seven years, and then they didn't try to immediately be competitive in the first two years of that contract. But look, Panarin doesn't have as many miles on his legs as most other 29-year-old NHL forwards do. Um, he proved last year that even on a really bad team, 
he can be MVP level. I I'm not I'm not I'm not going to try and peel off the layers here and actually make a serious bad cop. Another argument a, another good day. cop argument. His game is is poised to age well, as many on Twitter would say. Yeah, I mean, not not to be a not not to be a, a false a false flag bad cop here, but the other good cop would be the Rangers are surrounding Panarin with so many young players and playmakers that even an elder statesman Panarin should be able to uh, exist and thrive on this specific Ranger team. I just want to point out that my dog, and I'm home babysitting my dog, and I'm sorry, just like sat around and lied around for the last couple hours. Totally fine, as dogs do or tend to do. They sit, they sit down and do nothing. The second I started podcasting, just digging around the whole room, fucking shit up. I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry, everybody. All right, uh, you play you, Chris Kreider, good cop, and I'll do bad cop. Chris Kreider, good cop. Greg Kaplan. That's apparently, it. Apparently, I am permanently bad cop. I didn't realize... When I proposed this, that some people thought this was our entire podcast. Well, uh, I don't mean to be bad. If you guys thought that was me being bad cop, I got bad news for you. It gets worse. Um, Not not only just some people, I would say a majority of people that we like and respect. I mean, it was like, isn't this just the podcast? It's like, oh, okay. We got got hit hard this last week. Hockey stat miner. Shithead. We got hit hard this Um, week. It was not only the good cop, bad cop, but the two Muppets, uh, the old men Muppets. It was like, oh, shit. That's a compliment. I feel seen. That's That's a compliment. Hey, Terry, by the way, fuck, fuck yourself. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, all right, Chris Kreider, good cop. Chris Kreider, good cop. Terry, we're being positive for you. Chris Kreider, good cop. Yes. This that- team moving forward uh-huh. is going to be actually the perfect team to have an aging Chris Kreider on. And what I mean by that is Kreider has always been one of those top-notch second, third banana guys. He... If he's your star, it's probably never going to be good enough to be taken serious in the NHL. But here's a guy who, anytime he's on the ice, is straight up balls to the wall. We're going to find a lot, find find out another level to his game, which is can he play on the right hand side this year? I think he can, and he's going to get to be the guy who only has to play about 14 minutes a night, even strength, if that, on the high end. And he's going to be able to just be that perfect extra bit of spice on any line the Rangers want to put him on. He is the most versatile top nine winger the Rangers actually have. Do they want to play him with Mika? He can do that no problem and in his sleep. Do they want to have him be the power forward to Panarin's finesse? Absolutely. That run and gun offense would be really fun regardless of what center is there. Do they want him to be the elder statesman with Philip Heedle? It's proven to be a productive relationship in the past. I have no reason to believe it can't be a productive relationship as Heedle's game continues to improve. The you, I'm sure you, the bad cop, is going to bring up the contract. But <laughs> first, I, first point, buddy. <laughs> I think I honestly think Chris Kreider is going to be the perfect high octane Swiss Army knife for this Rangers top nine when they're ready to compete. Bad cop Ryan here. Can you really win a Stanley Cup when your third line left winger makes six point five million dollars until twenty twenty seven? I'm not sure you can. Lafreniere makes Chris Kreider super expendable. He has a no move contract, and not only that, I project him to be the next captain of this team if it means anything in that point in time. Chris Kreider, if he does move to the right wing, is less effective, mostly because he's played left wing his whole life. 
This is be- <laughs> this is a situation where you're asking a player you just extended for seven years to do something he's uncomfortable with because he's the veteran player. Now, if he does move to the right side and can flourish, that's great, but that's that's not his game. He's project- He's a left-wing player. He knows exactly how to play over there. He's played his whole career there. That's great for Chris Kreider. In this case, he's expendable on the third line as soon as you get Lafreniere. You can't know that you're going to get the first overall pick, but Chris Kreider is a person, and you've seen it happen, Gregory, who disappears very often. He's either the hottest player on the ice where he's clearly the best hockey player or disappears for long stretches. At the beginning of the season, we said, and not just this season, we've been doing this podcast for five years. And there's been a lot of times where we talked about Chris Kreider. Hey, where's Chris? He's disappeared yet again. And I have to tell you, Chris Kreider's disappearing acts cannot happen for the next seven years. When, by the way, he's a bigger player who relies on his speed and his strength and his size. And if that speed doesn't age gracefully, because he is 29 years old at the time of this recording, uh, and, and by the time we're ready to compete, he will be 31, 32. And if he, that speed is not staying there, that takes a, and limits a lot of aspects of his game. Uh, and that, again, that it goes all the way to 2027. In a very uh, not necessary and very tradable Chris Kreider, bad cop Ryan Meath. And I will go over to uh, Mika Zavinajad, I guess, at this point. For good cop? You're good cop, buddy. Oh, no. For good cop, Mika. Well, there's so many nice things to say. I wish I was bad cop for Mika because it's, it's a lot funner. For Mika, uh, it's just like he's a great DJ. He's not only that, but he's the most soft-spoken, seemingly leader on this team other than Chris Kreider. Mika Zabinajad had a career year, had a shooting percentage that was sustainable, had a percentage of scoring goals that was the highest in the NHL of games played compared to, I think he had a point one or whatever, point two higher than uh, Alex Ovechkin this year. If he did play all these games, likely led the NHL in goals, developed to be a number one center, something that many people said he couldn't be. Is the number two superstar in this team next to Artemi Panarin? Is an absolute offensive juggernaut when he wants to be, and is clearly uh, in his prime at age 27. Has two years left at a, a very, very, very palatable $5.3.5 million. And uh, we'll take him to UFA, of which time he will get paid a lot more money. But he deserves it because he's one of the best centers in the NHL, even though, and I know this is sort of a trope at this point, doesn't get treated as such uh, by the national media. I guess they want to see it again, but he's proven to get better and better every single year since he was acquired in the heist that is the Broussard trade. Bad cop, Mika Zibanejad? Yeah, I think you got some good ones. I, I do, which kind of stinks. This kind of is going to feed into Terry's entire philosophy about us. Uh, bad cop, Mika Zibanejad. Are we sure he can stay healthy for an entire season? Is it, are, are we going to invest in a center who, at the time when his contract expires, will be a 29-year-old with a complicated history with concussions? Is that who you really... We we under there's I can't be bad cop for anything Mika Zibanejad does on the ice. He is a dynamic goal scorer, one who is able to do it at both even strength and on the power play. Um, while his defensive presence is lacking, the Rangers, when all things are right in their world, don't need him to be a defensive stalwart. But do you want to spend what will probably be? If we think the salary cap is somewhat near its normal range in the 2022 offseason, you want to spend $10 million a year on a guy you're not 100% sure will be able to stay in the lineup on a nightly basis? Question mark? A ton of money. A ton of money. 
Now, I, I, I don't think we have to do caveats of all of this. I think yours and my answer would be yes for this exact question. <laughs> but I'm not here. To, I'm here to be back up for me. That's what said. we're doing. I'm, I, I'm, I think it's a fair question to ask if he's the guy you should invest in long term when it's going to take probably an eight-year deal, which means the Rangers will be paying him until his age 37 season, and he's going to be making eight figures by that point in time. Is that the guy you want to invest in long-term, question mark? Something to think about. Uh, I got to think about it. Now, Ryan Strom, I have to be the good cop for Ryan Strom. What you the fuck do. happened here? I don't know how this happened. It's okay. People are going to find out uh, I'm going to benefit from being good cop here because I, I get bad cop later on for a very fun one. Yeah. Um, good cop, Ryan Strom. Very easy tradable contract. Uh-huh. He can easily flip, flipped into additional assets where the Rangers see fit. He can easily be the sacrificial lamb for Seattle. I, I don't think you'd have to do much convincing of Seattle to take Ryan Strom. I think that's a contract they would prefer to take. And uh, we've said this on the podcast before. It's worth saying again. While, yes, it's very possible that Artemi Panarin would make just about anybody better that he played with, I think it's important to point out that there was clear chemistry between Strom and Panarin. Is Ryan Strom responsible for Artemi's best season in his career? Probably not, but there's obvious chemistry there. It obviously helped both parties involved. And look, if Artemi Panarin playing next to Ryan Strom makes Ryan Strom a 60-point player, I mean, you're going to complain about having a 60-point player as your second-line center? That's that's not that that's not that bad if you ask me, Ryan. Watch me, Greg. <laughs> oh, please do. Four point five million is fine, but two years is not. Ryan Strom is a an, a person and player that the Rangers actively have been trying to trade for over a year now. After acquiring him, they've been trying to trade him this offseason. I'm assuming they took calls at the deadline for him too, and then you signed him for not only one but two years. Ryan Strom is a product of Panarin. He's only had one year of this caliber. Can he replicate it again? We're not so sure. And if he can't, you have him for two more years. And then you tanked his value. Your chance to sell Ryan Strom in the stock that was so high was this offseason. Maybe the pandemic prevented you from getting the actual value. You thought you had Ryan Strom. Or maybe other teams just know what Ryan Strom is. And that's not what was was seen on the New York Rangers this year. His shooting percentage is terrible. He has some truly miserable games, including one you were at, Gregory, at the Avalanche game where he takes way too many penalties um, that are really, really stupid. Will Reinstrom improve this year and continue his uh, torrid last year with Artemi Panarin? I'm unsure. Let's see him prove it again. He's 27. He was a top five draft pick. Reinstrom has the pedigree, but has never lived up to the hype with the exception of playing with the one of the top three best players in the NHL. So let's see what happens this year. That brings us to Pavel Buchnevich, and I am bad cop? I think so. No, I'm yes, no, I'm, you're, I'm good you're cop. Good, you're good. You're good cop. Mr. Magnets himself has grown into what is a magnificent player over the past couple of years. His analytics seemingly uh, have gone off the charts. He's of the age of 25. Currently, he took a bridge deal, so he's only making 3.25 million this year. He is a steal, and not only that, he is has tremendous chemistry with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, and what is notably the KZB line, where he is incredibly. Uh, effective the games he actually has games for the first time in his life this year where he took it over uh will he be the long-term solution for the rangers this is a year where we can find out if pavel buchnevich can really 
uh, take even another step. He's progressed tremendously every single year for the past three years. If he could take the final step into stardom, it will be this year. And Pavel can prove himself to try and get a nice contract from the New York Rangers, where he's been very productive. And he'll be a player, if if traded, as we talked about with Rick Carpinello, they will miss dearly in the coming years. A bad cop? Yeah. I'm going to list wingers that are more important to the New York Rangers future than Pavel Buchnevich for you right now. Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Capococco, Alexi Lafreniere. Even even if I just wanted to stop there, those are your four top six wingers. I could add uh, Vitaly Kravtsov to this list at all. This means Pavel Buchnevich, best case scenario, when he hits restricted free agency after this season, is the Rangers sixth most important winger for the long haul. You're going to pay your sixth most important winger north of four and a half to $5 million a year to live what on the third line for the long term, as special as Pavel Buchnevich can be. Maybe we've seen the best of Pavel Buchnevich. I, I, we joke. How many times do we joke about when a player is actually done growing, but Buchnevich is going to be 26 when the Rangers have to pay him again. How much better are you actually expecting Pavel Buchnevich to be? If Pavel Buchnevich ends up being better than one of Kako, Lafreniere, or Kravtsov, I think the Rangers will consider that a miss when it comes to what the draft capital they spent to get those players. I don't think you can spend money on Pavel Buchnevich to be a role player. Sometimes, like the Rangers did with Jesper Foss, you just got to let the role players roll. Let them go to somewhere else. I don't know if you I, – I, maybe the Rangers give Buchnevich one more bridge deal for two more years – and then they can play the asset game with him from there. But I don't know, man. Start thinking about where you actually think this Rangers top six is going to be in the next two, three, four years. And ask yourself the hard question. Is Pavel Buchnevich part of that? If he's not, should you be paying him? Makes you think, Ryan. Makes you think. say down that. Uh, Brandon Lemieux. I think you're a good cop. For Brandon <laughs> yeah, I think you're a good cop. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, good cop. Again. As Oof. I've said, I don't know. How many times have I said it on the podcast, Ryan? Maybe 17 times? Mm-hmm. In order to be an effective fourth-line player, all you have to do is be really good at one thing. And Brendan Lemieux is really good at one thing. And it's a pretty valuable thing. Brendan Lemieux draws penalties. Brendan Lemieux creates scoring opportunities for the New York Rangers on the man advantage. Brendan Lemieux's best asset is taking another opponent off the ice in order to give the Artemi Panarins and Mika Zibanejad more time on the ice and an advantage. I you, you don't need defensive stalwarts living on your fourth line when they're only going to be playing eight to 10 minutes a night. Lemieux is really good at one thing. And that one thing is really good for the New York Rangers when it comes to not just creating scoring opportunities, but eliminating scoring opportunities for your opponent. Lemieux himself, not great defensively, but he creates situations where the opponent has to play two straight minutes at a man disadvantage. It, that's almost more valuable than whatever two minutes Brendan Lemieux would be able to do in that same time frame. So is one and a half million dollars a lot for Brendan Lemieux? It might be, but he's really, he's, he, he's got one thing he's really good at. And when you're trying to construct a fourth line, that's all you need. Sometimes Brendan Lemieux can't skate. He can't shoot and he can't pass. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's an NHL player. Not only that, he's 24. That's a year younger than Pavel Buchnevich, in which we just said, when will we know who the real player is? This might actually be who Brennan Lemieux is. Yes, he draws penalty, but he can't actually play the rest of the of the hockey, which is like defense as, a, as an offense, offensive player. Is he even an offensive player? I'm not sure. The only times I see Brennan Lemieux score goals, it seems like he's on accident when he's sort of near the net. I don't believe he provides anything of value, and if his name wasn't Lemieux, he wouldn't be making more than the minimum for this team. Which brings us to Capo Caco, my lord and savior. I'm good cop, by the way. Um, Capo Caco had what could be considered a really rough first year, even by someone who started a church about him standards. Capo Caco, though, in the playoff series versus the Canes, was by far legitimately the best player on the New York Rangers, which feels hard to believe because we just talked about Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibinijad, but he was not only the most dominating, he had the most shots available. Yes, he didn't score a goal. Yes, I would have freaked out if he did, but it couldn't be more clear that he was a dominant force on the ice. At only the age of 19, he's been working out. The muscle the muscle tone difference, if I do say so myself, is extremely noticeable. And uh, he's not only that, has a, he has a secret girlfriend over in Finland. Good for him. Shout out to the, to the Lord and Savior himself. He will be coming back and returning to his sophomore year as a different player. He learned from his first year of how how, how it struggled. Not only that, but he had to go through a pandemic to do it. Came back and uh, stronger than ever. And I expect not only a great year out of Akapokako, but a year where he, he cements himself as a top six player on this New York Rangers team. Bad cop. Akapokako mm-hmm. is one of the three worst players in the NHL last year. Yeah, that's pretty Full easy. Stop. I, I, I don't know. You 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 can play you can play the age card. You can play the kid was tired from playing so much hockey in such a short period of time card. You could do whatever you want to do to justify how poor that season was. But Kapokako, bar none, was one of the three worst players the National Hockey League had to offer. And that's bad. Bad cop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I I don't have much else to say. That's uh, fine. I, I, I believe in Capocaco, but I, I got the I got the short end of the stick. Speaking of short ends of the stick, good cop, Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah, this is a Let's see. Okay. Yeah. What uh man, he's pretty great, huh? Seems so. I, I, he's uh he, he's he's a McDavid level hype prospect entering the NHL as a teenager and is going to be put in a situation where he's likely playing with Mika Zibanejad, or he's likely playing with Chris Kreider in some way, shape, or form. Uh, pretty, pretty good. He, I, everything you would want a prospect to be is what Alexi Lafreniere is. And if he's going to be feeding Mika Zibanejad delicious-looking passes for Mika to pound home, could Mika score 60 goals with Alexi Lafreniere on his wing? Who is to say? Let's find out. I think it's wonderful, and I'm so happy he's a New York Ranger. Bad cop, Alexi Lafreniere. The Rangers will, there's a chance the Rangers regret drafting Alexi Lafreniere because he's not a generational prospect like McDavid or Sidney Crosby. And Byfield was sitting right there. And as we've already spoken about on this, on this here podcast, I had, what do you want me to do? I'm playing bad cop. As we've already spoken about on this podcast, the the positional need for left wing on the New York Rangers was literally zero at this point. You could have taken a 
bona fide number one C prospect with a higher ceiling in Byfield, but yet you determined you would take the best player in the draft, Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere is also the same age as Kako. They're only seven months apart, I believe, if I can do math correctly. And he's late as a bloomer in his draft class. So he had extra time to develop to become this number one overall prospect. And yes, he's been that prospect for four years, but Byfield showed that he could have been a stud and he will end up being better than him in Los Angeles. He won't, he won't. It's really hard to do. <laughs> All right, let's do uh, Philip Heedle. I'm good cop, I think. Yes, you are. Philip Heedle. One of the few Ranger prospects who got sent down and worked his way back up. Looking at you, Vitelli Kraftstall. Looking at you, Elias Anderson. Heedle took his beating and said, hey, you're going down to the HL. And how did he take that? He went down and dominated, came back up, and hung in the NHL ever since. He has the potential to take over a number two C role on this New York Rangers team this year. He's 21 years old. He's only two years older than Capo and, and Alexi Lafreniere and has the experience in the league and prove to himself, hey, I can be here. I can play. Yes, they do sometimes ship him to the wing, and it is strange. But if he can manage to hold on to this number two C uh, kind of potential he has, he was the real draft pick instead of Leah Sanderson that year. And if he's a number two C and bona fide in that way, we're looking really sitting pretty as a New York Rangers squad coming in the years because he will be an essential part to this cup contention team. Bad cop. Mm-hmm. What have we learned about Philip Heedle during his entire entry-level contract that makes us feel like he can thrive when given more ice time? Philip Heedle, I believe, played the most sheltered minutes by any NHL forward last season. Um, he, The times he has been challenged, the stakes have been rather low. The only times he's been able to play in the top six has been on someone's wing. Are we sure that Filipino is the guy you want to hitch your wagon to for the next X amount of years as someone who's going to be either centering what he's definitely centering one of Lafreniere or Kreider, and he's definitely centering, probably centering Capococco maybe as well. Is that the guy you want in between them? The answer to this is yes, by the way. I don't really, I, 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 I'm stretching for <laughs> Filipino. Oh. I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut myself off go for and it. go good cop for Julian Gauthier, my guy Ryan. That's Big your guy, Gauthier guy, brick shit house himself. I think there's a possibility that Julian Gauthier is basically Chris Kreider light, and by, I don't mean light as in uh, body type because that dude fucking rocks. But I think he's got. Kreider potential. He could become easily 80% of what the Rangers have with Chris Kreider. And he's a guy perfectly suited for this team's bottom six. You're not going to ever rely on him to be a bell cow. He's the perfect guy you want sliding up into your top six. If there's an injury need while just allowing him to thrive on your third line, scoring somewhere between 35 and 40 points a year, getting his 15 to 20 goals, maybe developing into someone you can actually play on the penalty kill with that body type and that speed and that quickness. I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential in this 23 year old that we haven't been able to find out yet. And I'm super excited to find it all out. 
Gauthier is an interesting case, and it's clear that David Quinn doesn't trust him. During the playoffs, he got less than five minutes ice time. Every single time he was out there, he seemed to have a sort of sort of be a liability on the ice. And the Rangers were getting killed and were looking for any offensive spark possible. And Gauthier wasn't even providing any of that. As supposed to be this energetic, big-speed player, couldn't even turn it on in the most important moment of the playoffs. Do we know he's, if he's been in the AHL system for so long and only played a couple games with the Rangers? The Carolina kept him down there for a reason. They could have used a player like this, and instead they decided to trade him. Why was that? Why did why did we get Julian Gauthier? Uh, he might just be a, a, a permanent AHL player, and we're going to find out who that is this year. I don't have much more to say bad about Gauthier because we've only seen so much. Which brings me to good cop Brett Howden. He's a man rocket. He can get it. There you go. Bad cop, Brett Howden. Yeah. Is he too sexy to be good at hockey? Mm, that's a good take. I'm, let's let's <laughs> think about this. Okay. That man is a man rocket. And he, and can, he can get, get it. it. I just thought so about does it. Does that make him too sexy to play hockey? You know what? I'm going to reach my hand across the aisle here, and I think we could agree. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's all I have to say about That's all I have to say about Brett Howden. Let's go to defensemen then, shall we? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be good cop for Jacob Truba. That's good because I want to be bad cop. Oh, but that means I'm good cop for Tony DeAngelis. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Greg wins again, baby. Um, Jacob Truba, good cop. Yeah. Hard to imagine a scenario where he has a worse season for the New York Rangers than he did last year. Uh, As our good friend Rick Carpinello has said multiple times, here's a guy who didn't have a single partner to live, to play with on a consistent basis last season that could accentuate his talents. Uh, He got better as the year went along. He was playing his best hockey with Brendan Smith as his partner. Imagine what is possible with Jacob Truba if they actually play someone consistently with him that can help carry the load and allow Truba to do all of the things that made him so appetizing to trade for and so appetizing to give the extension that they did at the time that they did. Jacob Truba is a bona fide number one right-handed defenseman. All the Rangers have to do is allow him to be himself by putting him with someone that he can trust on a nightly basis. If it's Ryan Lindgren, fantastic. If it's Adam Fox playing his offhand, fantastic. The Rangers have this sleeping giant that needs to be unleashed, and I think they're going to find a way to do it in the coming future. I, I think Jacob Chuba is still very much so a part of this team's future success. And all they have to do is help him out. Help me help you. Help me help you. That's Jacob Truba. If Jacob Truba, well, if the Rangers don't win a cup in the next six years, one of the main reasons you could point to is the existence of Jacob Truba. Jacob Truba, <laughs> play back off. <laughs> Jacob Truba signed an $8 million a year deal, which at the time, he had, the Rangers had, he, they had all the leverage. He wanted to be in New York, but yet they let him kind of strong arm them into signing an $8 million a year deal when he's really not a true number one defenseman. I've had many people tell me that he's just a high end number two guy. He's kind of relied on his partners. This year, the Athletic, the company we work for, ranked him the seventh, yep, the seventh worst contract in the NHL. Those people don't know shit. Okay, we work for them, and there are a lot of them are friends. I believe the person who wrote the contract has been on this podcast. I mean, wrote the article has been on this podcast. Um, at this point in time, with Jacob Truba, if you don't win, 
they didn't see foresee the coronavirus despite of other moves like they signed Chris Kreider, they signed Jacob Truba. The cap's not going up. The hit for Jacob Truba is serious. And if he's not a bona fide number one defenseman who's not running your power play, he's overpaid. Can he return to his physical self that he was when he was a Winnipeg Jet? Can he have that impact Im- impact, impact as a player? Because right now, at the first year, if this continues, you're, that contract is a albatross moving in. He's only, I get it, he's only 26, but he's signed until 2025-26. And at this point, his game's only going to go down from hill from here. So can he return to form these next two years if he gets a, new, a good partner? I hope so, because otherwise you can really point to Truba as the reason the Rangers never made it. That brings me to Tony D'Angelo, where I am good cop. Mm-hmm. Tony D'Angelo, despite deactivating and taking time to work off on his game, had a tremendous year. He was maybe one of the best puck passing defensemen in the league. He's the first Ranger to sc- first Ranger defenseman to score a hat trick uh, since Brian Leach. He is in no doubt an offensive talent who has improved his defensive game with these with the rare uh instance of where Sebastian Ajo absolutely destroyed him on the ice. In all other situations, he really improved his game and especially in his transition. He's such a dangerous asset and if he does moving his mindset to the if he does end up moving his mindset to the left and taking his talents to the left side, at this that at that point in time, he can become even more dangerous uh in, in a in a series in a team that really needs left-handed defensemen. He's played there in his juniors, he's had experience there. Can he move over and keep the magic he had last year? We're going to see this year, and uh, if he doesn't, then that means he's going to be our third right-handed defenseman and will be second on running the power play, or might even be first running the power play, besides Adam Fox. Uh, And that is a dangerous player to have on any team. Uh, Just looking ahead, I want you to also know that you have to play good cop for Jack Johnson, so get very excited for that. Yes, I did that. Bad cop, Tony D'Angelo. Yes. The key component of being a successful defenseman in the National Hockey League is by being able to play in your own defensive zone. Something time and time again, Tony D'Angelo has proven he is not capable of doing. Uh, We have joked many times on this podcast about certain defensemen actually being wingers. It started with Nick Holden. It evolved into Neil Pionk. Honest to God question. If Tony D'Angelo was playing the wing, is his game better because he doesn't have the defensive responsibilities anymore, it's possible. Also, unless the New York Rangers are playing this guy on his offhand, you cannot, under any circumstance, be paying your third-pairing right-handed defenseman $4.8 million a year. And that number's only going to go up when he gets another contract at the end of the 2022 season. It's just an illogical conclusion to come to. If he's not going to be able to hold his own weight defensively, the Rangers have other defensemen that can power uh, the point power play, i.e. Adam Fox, most notably. Even Jacob Truba has experience on the power play. So it's not like Tony D'Angelo's success there significantly trumps <laughs> anything any of the Jesus other defensemen <laughs> on the right-hand side of the defense. <laughs> he is the very definition of a luxury and an expendability in that regards. If the Rangers don't find a scenario in which Tony D'Angelo can play on his left and play with a more competent defensive partner, one of Jacob Trouba or Adam Fox, he does not have a future on the New York Rangers. Full stop. I, I believe I play bad cop now for Brandon Smith. Oh, you do, but I get to go good cop first. Uh, good cop Brandon Smith. 
what can't he do? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to be defense. good cop for Brendan Smith. It's so fun. He can play defense. He can play on the wing. He's a very good-looking gentleman. He yep. was a wonderful hockey dad to Capococco from all things. God heard. damn it. These are all great He points. seems to be pretty funny. I, maybe he's making a little bit too much money, but I think you pay Brendan Smith $4 million because he's a pretty good hang from what we've been able to find out. So I, you, you're going to say some things that are untruths, that are unfair, that are, are going to uh, attack his character. Brendan Smith. Pretty good guy. Pretty, pretty good. Brandon Smith is not a number one defenseman. It's pathetic that the Rangers have to trot him out there like he is. Uh, they, they, the signing was bad from the start. He had one good playoff run, and the rest of the years have been total jack-of-trades kind of horseshit, if I'm being honest. Makes $4.3 million, and the bag of goods that were sold for most to, to, from Detroit also has a modified no-trade clause, in case you were wondering. Not sure why we gave him that when he was only here for like a playoff series in, the, in, in that year, uh, but we did. Brennan Smith went out there. He's proven himself to be a third-ranking defenseman, but he's paid much higher than that, and I don't like saying mean things about Brennan Smith because I like him. That brings me to Jack Johnson, or I am bad cop. I mean, I am good cop. <laughs> you sure are. Jack Johnson. Great music. He got, he's making banana pancakes. He's got, listen, there's a lot of young kids in this locker. Uh, what, let me look up this JD quote. Hold on. Uh, what does JD say about Jack Johnson? Okay. All right. Um, he's been, he's been with guys who've won before. He knows what it takes to win. He's a scrappy veteran and he's going to show these guys. He's a, oh, it says, it says here, he's a gym rat. Um, who's going to show these guys how to get in the gym and get working out. Okay, that was it. Okay, that's it. Is that is that your good cop? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I read that uh, all off a of blank screen that actually said the time on my phone, but yeah. Got it. Uh, Jack Johnson, bad cop. He's fucking terrible. <laughs> Ryan Lindgren, good cop. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. I'm not going to, like, you yeah. attacked Brendan Smith in a way that I wasn't prepared for. Yeah. We... We have joked at Jack Johnson's expense on this podcast. We have cried because of Jack Johnson on this podcast. He is legitimately terrible at hockey. Every hockey team is better by simply not having Jack Johnson. That's the bad cop version of Jack Johnson. I don't think I could be any more mean than that. So Full I'm stop. not going to try to be. Uh, good cop Ryan Lindgren. Mm -hmm. Ryan Lindgren, like Philip Hedel before him, was one of the few prospects that was challenged by this coaching staff to go down to Hartford and prove that they belonged in the National Hockey League. Lindgren did that, and then when Lindgren came up here, formed easily the only productive defensive pairing the Rangers had all season last year with Adam Fox. He might not be much more than a very solid role player, but at the time the Rangers acquired him in the trade for Rick Nash, people were bemoaning his ceiling as a prospect. And he has proven to be a reliable left-handed defenseman that will be able to play in the Rangers' top six for as long as he wants. And he has the upside now where he might get number one duties with Jacob Truba. And honestly, sitting here, I think he would help Jacob Truba immensely, something I never thought possible at this time last year. If you told me this time last year that the best possible outcome for the New York Rangers on opening night was Ryan Lindgren, Jacob Truba, number one pairing defense. I would have thought something tragically happened to their defense. Instead, it's all earned. Ryan Lindgren has earned the opportunity to get higher leverage situations 
and to play with Jacob Truba. I'm excited to see what the kid can do. Let's see him cook. He's only 22. His the sky might not be the limit, but he has done so much to raise his floor that it's hard to think of where this New York Ranger team will be in the next six years if Ryan Lindgren isn't a part of it. Ryan Lindgren, bad cop. I'm worried about Ryan Lindgren's future and his health. His eyes seem to be magnets for fists. He's constantly bleeding on the ice. Yes, he's scrappy, but is he always supposed to take those fights? Is that really how you play smart hockey? I'm not so sure. Not only that, he was productive, but he could have been a a product similar to Ryan Strom of his partner, Adam Fox, who had a tremendous year, and I'll talk about just a second. The chemistry he had with Adam Fox, he's had forever. They played on USA Hockey together. Can he switch and play with other players like Jacob Truba, or is he really just good at getting carried by Adam Fox? And if he switched to Jacob Truba, who also struggled, well, he struggled there. Ryan Lindgren, yes, he's a surprise, but is he truly the player that we want him to be? He takes too many, doesn't take too many penalties, but takes too many fights that he probably are, are necessary. And uh, we'll see if his, his ceiling is really anything more than a 3D. Which brings us to good cop Adam Fox. Adam Fox is the goddamn truth. He's amazing. He should have been a Calder candidate. Somebody we know and love had him number one in the, on, the, on, on their Calder. Murat. Feel better, Murat, by the way. Um, and Adam Fox is just tremendous. He was a high floor player, and he's already busted that floor. Some of the metrics and, ana- and analysis say that he was $11.5 million player as a rookie for the New York Rangers, 22 years old. He's a special player that has a high hockey, hockey IQ. And if he was just a little bit bigger, and if he was just a little bit faster, he'd be a premier defenseman in the NHL. Still has the chance to do that at his size. But break the one knock you can have on Adam Fox is breaking up the rush. But everything else he does perfectly as a 22-year-old defenseman in the NHL, and you can't knock that. Greg? Uh, bad cop. I heard he didn't fast, fast for Yom Kippur this year. There you go. I think that's good. Let's get that, to the final two. <laughs> uh, good cop for Alex Georgiev. Uh, well, the first thing, good cop, is I can pronounce his last name and Ryan can't. The second thing is, here's a guy. The Rangers picked up literally off the scrap heap. Undrafted. Didn't have an NHL contract. Was doing fine in the Finnish league. Not great, not sexy. When the Rangers brought him over, they didn't even know if he was going to be their starting goalie in Hartford. And he's developed into a perfectly capable NHL caliber goaltender. If the Rangers want to move on one day from Alex Georgiev, they're going to be able to find someone that, one, wants to trade for him, and two, will give up something to get him. I Considering what he was when the Rangers brought him in, the fact that he is no worse than someone that can back up Igor Isterkin for the next five plus years, depending on his price mission accomplished here, baby. He's not a guy that had pedigree. He's not a guy the Rangers brought in with expectation. He created his own narrative and he succeeded in doing so. And he's going to be a part of this Rangers for the next couple of years. We'll see if they turn him into anything more, but the Rangers could do a lot worse than having Alex Georgiev eating about 35 starts a year. If you love Henrik Lundqvist, you should never love Georgiev. He's the reason he's gone. <laughs> I like Georgiev a lot. I don't know what to say here. He um, the, could have been traded. Wasn't. If he was good enough to be traded, he probably should have been. The goalie market's hot, and if you can get a second-round pick for Georgiev, if I'm saying that correctly, Greg, you should have done it. Seems that was never the case, so other teams don't value him as highly as Gordon does. I don't have too many th- bad things to say here. Brings me to good cop Igor Sesterkin, I guess. Hmm. The absolute truth. The heir to the throne. 
a abs- just a monster. Someone who is just so sarcastic, witty, and seems like he has an arrogant confidence about him, who knows how good he is and will be the future of New York Ranger goaltending and is the really the end-all, be-all key to see if the Rangers succeed going forward. I believe what he showed last year in those 11-game streak where he was just absolutely unbeatable is truly who he is. He has a tremendous track record. I think he's lost like a total of 26 times in his whole career. Like, that's it, period. End of story, 26 times. And Igor... uh He's the truth. What else can I say? Bad cop. Two things. One, it sounds like Igor Shostarkin is 26 times a loser. And two, I'm not convinced that motherfucker can drive. <laughs> Time to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this has been a fun one. Thanks, everyone. Uh, it's been a great week celebrating the five-year anniversary. You can follow me on Twitter at O'Reilly. You can follow Greg at Bushers Break, or you can email us, I believe, at Ryan at BushersBreakaway.com. Where you could tell us you guys suck. I really appreciate that. Love you. You can do it on Twitter too. It happens all the time. All right, uh, Greg. Any final parting thoughts? Uh, happy that Marcus Stroman's back with the Mets. I thought there that's you go. Good, good piece of business today. Fucking Steve just tweeting all the time. I hate it. I wanted. I I've never in my life been compelled to like hug a computer screen quite like I was <laughs> when Stroman tweeted out like I listened to the press conference. This is a dude I want to play for. I'm so excited to play for this owner. I wanted to. Just reach my arms through the screen and hug both those beautiful fuckers and just, I just love them so much. (laughs) All right. I hope this was a a breath of fresh air for all those who think we're not positive or negative enough. There you go. We'll be back next week. Love this podcast. We were super negative. I got it. Yeah, that's true. You're right. I love you guys. Bye.